In the week where the PlayStation 5 was revealed, non-essential shops got the green lights reopened and this moron somehow got to be part of a piece for his local newspaper. What else would you need from a movie podcast and two blokes talking about how Marvel got it right and DC got it so, so wrong? Hello, wherever you are listening or watching, and welcome to the Rip Ticket Review, a movie podcast that is perfectly balanced as all things should be. I'm Jack Smith, and joining me over the power of the internet to discuss the art of the good superhero movie is the Iron Man to my Captain America. Good afternoon. Dan Carver. Good afternoon, Jack. If I ever hear you refer to yourself as a moron again, I will personally come down to where you live and slap you upside your head. You're not a moron. <laughs> how dare you? How dare you besmirch your intelligence like uh, that? Well the moron was there again. for comedic effect, Dan. It was oh. there for comedic effect. Well done, well done for the, for your achievement, by the way. That's fantastic stuff. I know. First time oh. in seven years we've been in the papers, so. <laughs> so you know that all good things come to those that work hard. But yes, oh, we yeah. are of course talking about superhero films since the beginning of civilization. People have been delving into the supernatural and the unknown to create stories of the fantastic, where humans can achieve things that would normally seem impossible on the physical side of things. For example, Herculean strength and the more and on the metaphysical side of things as well for example achieving justice mm-hmm. and standing up to corruption because of course who doesn't want to do that who doesn't and yeah and many people often believe that the first superhero of course was superman um it's a common um a common misconception of course for uh, in 1936 february the 17th 1936 to be precise uh, the Lee Falk deb- debuted his creation known as The Phantom, who was officially the first ever superhero and the first costumed fictional character wearing skin tight purple leotard and whites um, where his eyes should be because of printing issues. And mm. uh, interesting fact, he was actually meant to be grey, really? um, but he was, but there was a print in there and he ended up turning purple instead. So there you go. It's a bit um, like a funny story of the, uh, the, the, uh, a building very close to our hearts, the Media Factory. Apparently it was meant to be red, but they printed it wrong and it turned out green instead. That's a joke for people who work at the University of Central Lancashire. Yeah. Which I, do you know what, though? I can't imagine that building being red. Neither can I. Yeah, but it's, it's perfect the way it is. And, of course, since the first publication of The Phantom, many people have been trying to get the superhero movies on the big screen. The first superhero movie of which, of course, was published... Um, well, actually, it was published before The Phantom, so that point's kind of moot, isn't it? And the, the first superhero movie, of course, being The Mark of Zorro in 1920... Um, in the serialized, serialized novella, The Curse of Capistrano, um, where essentially, um, I'm losing my mind again, uh, he, Zorro first appeared on the screenplay by Douglas Fairbanks. And since then, we've moved up in the world with our superheroes. We've had uh, the Superman facing the Mole Men, Batman versus uh, Criminal Underworld and Zombies. And of course, as effects began to catch up with time, we got uh, the DC made the first, what I consider to be the first perfect superhero movie for its time. I'm, of course, talking about the Christopher Reeve version of Superman. As such a performance by Christopher Reeves in 1978, he is still talked about to this day as the perfect actor who played Superman. And he really was. Oh, yeah. Like, I I will hear no argument against it. He was brilliant. Brilliant. And it was the perfect superhero movie for its day. Who can forget 
the scenes where he's flying through the sky. You will believe a man can fly was the tagline of the movie and certainly when i was a small child watching superman fly on these old-fashioned televisions where you couldn't see the green screen effects it wasn't so pronounced Mm. as to where the man ended and the green screen began it was an apps even though it was in like the early 90s i believe i first saw the movie so it was a good um, 12 years later, it still looked amazing to my tiny little mind. It, I was blown. But of course, who can who can forget the amazing scene of Superman lying down, seeing Lois Lane, and Lois Lane is interrogating, well, not interrogating him, uh, interviewing him, asking him what his motives are, and Superman says, well, I'm here to fight for truth and justice the American way. Yes. Equally as important was uh, Lois's response to that, where she she sort of laughs and goes, well, you're going to have to go up against every single politician in the country, to which Superman goes, I'm sure you don't believe that. A mass- and, and that scene is pivotal in the movie because it pretty much explains the Superman in the current context of why mm. he he was relevant in that time. He actually wrote a dissertation about the whole thing um, called... Uh, from Heracles to Superman, which examined the links between uh, Greek mythology and superhero movies. There is a link, ladies and gentlemen, and I got oh. a two-one for it, so I must know what I was on about. Moda. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, again, going back to my original point about about the um, superhero movies, the superhero movies are extremely important because they have, but they tell us a lot about the society that, yeah. that we live. Um, the hero that we see on screen kind of tells us what sort of things that we are yearning for from our heroes on a psychological level. We sort of see uh, in 1978, we see um, Superman saying he's going to fight for truth and justice the American way and how he is going up against a super criminal who is essentially rich. He's going up against the land mogul, for crying out loud. Lex Luthor's plan is to blow up half of America and then turn it, the wasteland into private housing. Mm. It's not its not exactly Red Skull stuff here. He's, Superman's not fighting aliens. He's fighting, a, he's fighting a property developer. Yeah. Essentially. But that's important. And you can see this change as well in a sen- in the man in the Man of Steel, which mm. is the the uh, the 2013 <laughs> Zack Snyder, Christopher Nolan produced uh, reboot that was yeah. to set up the DC expanded universe before yeah. Batman v Superman happened and it all derailed. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. You can see that the sort of hero that we want in Superman on that time. There's a very key um, scene towards the end when they're tracking Superman and suddenly the satellite crashes down and superman is flying uh, down and says yes i know you're trying to find out where i'm hanging my cape at, at the end of the day and that's a really pivotal scene again what we want to see from our hero someone who the government doesn't spy on who is free from government surveillance who is allowed to do his own thing and do right because that's you know he he believes it's the right thing to do mm. Of course, the film didn't perform as well as the 1978 version. A lot of people didn't like the the wanton destruction, mm. and it was also quite dark in certain places as as well, um, both visually and and in terms in of plot, yeah, as well. Who can forget that the um, the next snap? 
Oh, it's it's been ages since the film's come out, and now everyone knows about it. There's no need for spoilers. Yeah, uh, but who can forget the, the the next snap? That that really and again, it, the the criticism again shows what we want from our superheroes. We don't want a Superman that kills at the last moment. The reason Superman is Superman isn't just because he can fly, he can shoot lasers out of his eyes. Uh, it's not because he's faster than a speeding bullet. It's not because he's more powerful than the locomotive. It is because Superman is able to achieve the impossible. He's like, just by being him. And the whole killing thing was just completely whack. Like so many people came up with better endings to the Superman franchise. You know what my ending was going to be? Go on then, fire away. So basically, my ending was going to be Superman flies um, Zod straight up, and they battle, and they they both fight to the point of near exhaustion, and then Zod collapses, and he realizes that he's taken on so much sun radiation over time that he becomes he he's become poisoned with sun radiation basically similar to the all-star superman movie where yeah. um superman is fighting two kryptonians and in the comic and they become poisoned with sun radiation and superman uh, essentially stops and he's with zod towards the end and he finds a way in the fortress of solitude of uploading his memories into the computer so that he lives on forever Mm. And in in essence, Zod realizes why it's important for Super, like Superman is important to be a, a natural born hero because he is able to do these things. I thought that would have been a better ending. Yeah, that, that could have worked a lot better than what we got. Yeah. Uh, and then you go on to the whole satellite crash. Okay. Mm. But of course, since I guess the nineties, um, when the or even before then, actually, um, there has always been two comic book giants. DC and Marvel. Yes. DC and Marvel. There have been other comic book giants that have jumped on the scene, like Top Cow and uh, various other comics. So names that have completely flown from my mind. Brilliant. Variant is another one. But none have managed to capture the, the public's imagination other than DC and Marvel. Both comic books uh, have... but Both comic book companies have a plethora of superheroes and both have so many amazing stories throughout the years and it was only a matter of time before they decided to put their own version of their superheroes on the on, on the big screen because the massive issue they had was that they were selling the rights onto the films and they were being directed by directors who had no clue mm. as to what was happening why these superhero movie why these superheroes were popular they had no clue whatsoever and it, it they just sucked. Yeah. Um, I mean, you look at Spider-Man 2 now, which was considered the best superhero movie at the time. And I look at it now from this perspective and it's like, this was really a bad superhero movie. Mm. It wasn't terrible, but I don't, I don't enjoy it now because yeah. we've seen what we can get so much better. And a lot of that, again, it was down because the, these superheroes were singular products. They existed in their own universes. There was no sort of sense of continuity with other superheroes. You had Spider-Man in his own Spider universe. You had the Batman in his own Batman universe. That sort of thing. 
Plus, with the, the Marvel films of the late 2000s in particular, the only reason they were farmed out to different studios, obviously, Fox got the X-Men, Sony got Spider-Man, Universal got Hulk. The only reason they got farmed out to different studios is because in the late 90s, Marvel Comics itself was in a bit of financial ruin, so I thought the best thing to do was to option off the rights to other studios. Little do they know, a little over 20 years later, they'd be coming back to take those rights after they become big box office drawers in their own, own films. And it all started with Iron Man. 2008 Iron Man, John Favreau. There isn't much you can say about this film. It all started with Iron Man. A 2008 directed by John Favreau, starring um, the man himself, Robert Downey Jr., in his first big major hit since he had come out of, I I think, rehab? Yep, out of his major sin in rehab. Because he had he was he went through some really tough times. The man has transformed himself oh, yeah. and has become an icon of nerd culture now. And it all started with Iron Man and the film itself. It was okay. Hmm. I enjoyed it. It did similar things that previous superhero movies did in the past. When I was watching it for the first time, I wasn't impressed. But I was satisfied. I was like, yeah, that's a good take. And then something happened towards the end of the credits. Yes. Yes. Because I didn't know. None of us knew. Nobody knew back then. You had to stay. A scene comes up. There's Tony Stark. Walks into his bedroom. And he sees in front of him. Uh, a, a, a elderlyish man with an eye patch turns around. The man has an eye patch, and the man chastises Tony Stark for revealing his super secret identity, and invites him to something called the Avengers Initiative. And that's when you knew it's time. Yeah, we're getting big. Things were getting real. Especially with someone like Samuel L. Jackson playing that character. Well, in the new Marvel, because there was they re-released Marvel Comics in the Ultimate Marvel um, franchise, and the idea between Ultimate Marvel was to essentially create a new starting point for new readers and sam and samuel jackson's likeness was used for nick fury in the comics which was why he played nick fury in the movies now that explains a similar thing to the boys in the boys comics uh simon pegg's likeness was used for wee huey but simon pegg realized that he was too old to play wee huey he was like 20 something in the comics so that's why he plays wee huey's dad ah that that, that explains everything then it does 2011 sorry 2010 iron man 2 comes out it's not so bad um it, it, it was eventually it boils down to iron man battles another man in an iron man knockoff suit and then in 2011, we had a double dosage. Two new heroes enter the fray. Thor, the God of Thunder, and Captain America, the first Avengers. Mm. Mm. Both it some was- important plot points in terms of what we're building up to. But a lot of people, 
have their issues with these two movies. Yeah. But early days. And yes, in 2008, we did get The Incredible Hulk. That was Universal Pictures distributed with Edward Norton. Actually, do you know what? I really enjoyed The Incredible Hulk movie. I still do. It was pretty good. Um, It's it's a real shame that Edward Norton didn't continue on with the franchise. Um, But he had reasons. Norton's loss is Mark Ruffalo's gain. Mark Ruffalo comes on board and yeah. The rest is, is, is history. And then, of course, in 2012, we get the crossover film, The Avengers. Or if you're in the UK, Avengers Assemble. Avengers Assemble, not to get... So they didn't get us confused with the Avengers TV show that hadn't been on for years, but copyright reasons. And then, of course, Phase... That that was the first time we ever had a set of phases as well. And then, of course, we had Phase 2, which compromised of Iron Man 3, uh, Fall of Dark World, Captain America Winter Soldier, Guardians of the Galaxy... Avengers Age of Ultron and Ant-Man. And then we had Captain America Civil War, which was the first film of Phase 3. Yes. Followed by Doctor Strange, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, Spider-Man Homecoming, which saw the return of everyone's favourite web sling in his own movie. Yes. Ragnarok, Black Panther, Avengers Infinity War, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Captain Marvel, and finally, sorry, Avengers Endgame and, and then Far finally... From Spider-Man Far From Home yeah and they were known and each of those three sagas were known as the Infinity Saga now whilst these movies were coming out a lot of people were looking at DC going look what they're guys look what they're doing look what they're doing don't you want to capitalise on this and DC brought out Man of Steel yes it was alright yeah it was okay it was okay Batman v Superman oh yeah, moving on. Uh, and then, I do believe I had the list of films here. Um, uh, in terms of the extended unit, it was then Suicide Squad came out in July of the same year, and then the year after that, Wonder, uh, Wonder Woman and Justice League were 2017, Shazam yep. and Aquaman were 2018. And um, then, well, Shazam 2019, uh, 2019 Birds of Prey yeah. 2020. And, and needless to say, if you ever look at the reviews up until Suicide Squad... It was clear to see that DC had won. Sorry, uh, no, they didn't. Sorry, DC Marvel had won. Had won. That was a t- that was an absolute faux pas there, wasn't it? <laughs> that's because I'm a DC fanboy. That's why I love DC comics. Love the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I think DC films are better. Uh, sorry, DC um, superheroes are better. Okay. Um, but yeah, it was clear to see that the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe had completely won mm. the battle there was just no standing up to them at all and it got even worse because they started the marvel started releasing television series as yes. well they released uh, daredevil jessica jones uh, iron uh what's his name iron, iron fist thank you and of course luke cage my personal favorite they released all those and i do believe they also released uh, a couple on amazon as well but the you know the point is still standing like it was a flawless victory for the uh, Marvel uh, Cinematic Universe. When yeah. things went bad for Marvel, they were still good. When things went bad for DCEU, mm. Ben Affleck was not happy. Yeah, it was, it was a, an absolute disaster for DC over the last couple of years. A disaster which they're starting to turn around. I mean, obviously, we got the yeah. news a few weeks ago. Zack Snyder is putting out his cut of Justice League after yeah, many years of campaignings. After many, I have, mixed, I have many mixed feelings towards that. I mean, I, I rewatched the theatrical cut of Justice League two weeks ago, and it, it was, was like, just as bad as I remembered it. 
because my view on that whole extended footage thing is if you're having to why are you charged my, my view on this is quite simple these one of the many failings of dc um, extended universe is these whole snyder cuts etc and the reason being is because I don't want to pay extra to see some deleted footage that makes the film better. I think that footage, if the, if it made the film better, it should have been in the final movie. But, and I know exactly what it is. It's executive meddling. Not just that, it's a tactical decision uh, because in the case of Suicide Squad, they cut all that footage to get it down to a PG-13. <laughs> and yet the irony is it still gets a 15 certificate over here. The theatrical cut still got a 15. Well, uh, yeah, I, I, the, yeah, the whole thing is absolute cash. So, what yeah. did they do right? They be Marvel Cinematic Universe, and what did DC Extended Universe do wrong? I guess is the is is the uh, focus of this episode. It took yes. us twenty minutes to get there, <laughs> but yeah, we, we needed we needed to understand like the history. Of we we need movies. to give you the context before we go all in. Yeah. What did they? What did they do right? Well. I think in order to answer that question, you have to look back at what DC, sorry, the Marvel Cinematic uh, movies used to be before the M, uh, MCU began. And what I mean by that is the comment that I made previously about um, directors not knowing what made superheroes tick. Mm. When the Marvel Cinematic Universe films came out, it took a while to get there. I would say they started getting really good. It was Captain America, the first Avenger. Yeah. When I think Marvel uh, realized what they were doing mm. and went, yep, yeah, we, we, we're quite happy now. We've got our, um, we've got our, um, our, our sort of rhythm going. Let's go. In that they, that, that Marvel understood exactly what made their superhero, mo- their superheroes tick yeah why they were superheroes and they put that at the forefront of every single picture yes this is what made batman the batman trilogy so by christopher nolan the man who invented the reboot this is what made the batman trilogy so popular Mm -hmm. because you had batman begins which told us who bruce wayne was why he does what he does and why he's a hero yep mm-hmm. and there is this is very important to get in your superhero movie because you need to connect with the superhero in order for the story to be successful if you're not connecting with the superhero your story completely fails and this is a rather interesting concept. I, I wrote about this um, in my dissertation. And essentially, it's called overcompensation in fantasy. Where audiences will shun realism in their superheroes and use theories of psychoanalysis to demonstrate their wish to have a mythic superhero rather than a superhero that contains realistic concepts. In other words, people are willing to spend their disbelief to have a hero who is realistic. That is a hero who fights in cities that we know, in locations that we know, against criminals that we know, 
that sort of thing, mm. they will suspend that disbelief to watch a superhero who has powers that we know can't possibly exist or heaps of money that we know cannot possibly last to fight villains which are fantastical in nature. Mm-hmm. For example, Rachel Ghoul, the ninja who operates a secret society. You know, that, that, that sort of fantastical villain, Joker, the terrorist who, whilst in, in some cases we've seen, you know, familiar bits of the Joker in and around our real life news cycle, we know we had never seen another a villain like Joker before. Mm. And how does Batman afford all his gadgets? Well, he's rich. That's all you need to know. How does Superman fly? He's a Kryptonian. That's all you need to know. Basic premise and works so well. It works so well. And it is helped with the superhero origin story. We see the superhero at the beginning of their career, how they come up into these fantastical ability, fantastic abilities and what they do with them. It's a really interesting phenomenon, actually, that these sort of stories are being told um, in, in superhero movies. And this is what DC... Uh, sorry, Mar- um, I'm going to get that confused all the time. Marvel Cinematic Universe um, realised roundabout with number... Um, their, their third movie, Captain America. Yeah. Because they they kind of realized um, that actually, if we take our hero and we throw him into the hero's journey, the story itself works out. And what the hero's journey is, the hero's journey is... A, it is a set of steps that a hero will go through in a mythological in a mythological yes. story. It was created by a man called Joseph Campbell, and he created um, something called the monomyth, which is the journey of the archetypal uh, archetypal hero shared by the world's mythologies. Joseph Campbell basically theorized that all the heroes in mythology from um, from Hercules to Jesus to everyone goes through the same journey and that's what makes these stories last that's what mm-hmm. makes them so memorable and I say it's a theory. That's just the technical term that I'm using because his work holds up. Oh, yeah. Um, but he he gained recognition in Hollywood when George Lucas wrote Star Wars. The original script was just gash. And so George Lucas fired the script through um, the story circle, essentially, that uh, Joseph Campbell created, The Hero's Journey. It is and a, it's a... It came out the end of what it did. And it worked. Yeah, it's it's a plot device that has worked across basically every Hollywood film since its inception. And, and in 1992, a chap called Christopher Vogler adapts it a little bit further and created a screenwriting book that um, 
A lot of up-and-comers turn to the writer's journey mythic structure for writers. I know about this because I talked about this with uh, in A-level film studies back in the day. And it's, no way. It's such a pivotal thing. I literally use a bit of this theory in an upcoming episode of the journal I've been editing over the last week. So this is like perfect timing, this, this episode. <laughs> Brilliant. So, yeah. And so looking at the hero's journey... Um, there are twelve steps to on on the um, the the hero's journey. Uh, let's have a quick look here and see if we can find them. Bear with me. So, yep, yeah, we have um, the call to adventure, yep. where the hero receives supernatural aid, passes through to the um, the threshold, um, and crosses the threshold. Uh, sorry, he, sorry. No, but, but let me try again. <laughs> so, hero starts off in the ordinary world, receives the call to adventure. There is a step called refusal of the call. Yep. But that's often skipped over to meeting the mentor. Yep. Uh, then the hero crosses the threshold. Then they enter into the special world. There's the step six: tests, allies, and enemies. Yep. Step seven: the approach. Eight, ordeal, death, and rebirth. Nine, the reward. Ten, the road back. Eleven, resurrection. Twelve, the return. Um, to you know, return the to the world, world as it was, as it was. Well, yeah, and and it be, and begins again, basically. And you can sort of see this specifically in Captain America: The First Avenger, where Steve receives the call to adventure. And he receives his supernatural aid in the form of the super serum. It transforms him. He crosses the threshold. Um, he meets the so he meets his mentor first, which is the doctor, who instills upon him and says, "Remember to have a good heart, and you'll be okay." He crosses the threshold when he receives the su- super serum. His tests of his allies and his enemies. Um, he is tested through um, being downgraded to propaganda, essentially. And he meets his allies, which are, you know, his, his little squadron. And his enemies, the Nazis. Mm. He fights them, the Nazis. Um, he, he, he approach, you know, the approach, essentially. He, he fires forward and as he starts to um, rescue uh, the, those who have been captured. Going against orders yeah. by, from his general. Um, the ordeal, the death and rebirth. You know, death. Um, the, of the propaganda Captain America that's gone in their place is the new Captain America this this hero flesh and blood you know his reward is the shield he receives the circular shield it goes on the road back fighting the Nazis um, and then essentially on the road back he is uh, he fights Red Skull he's frozen he is literally resurrected yep in the modern day and he returns with the elixir the elixir in this case being um his morals and his values but albeit in a 21st century context exactly that was a very rough reading of the movie but it's there trust me oh yeah and that's and basically dc um marvel cinematic universe took that and they were like okay that works. Let's apply it to all our other movies, and it worked. Yeah, and a lot of people can argue that they took this principle not just with the individual movies, but in terms of the overall story that they were telling, 
within the films that built up to what we now know as Avengers Endgame. So like these individual yeah. stories all crossing over. They fail once and then they go again. And lo and behold, the, pe- the emotional payoff at the end of Endgame worked mm. to perfection. Yep. It was an absolutely brilliant moment to be in the cinema watching Avengers End, um, Endgame. I've never seen anything like it, and I never will. Even at it 10 was... o'clock in the morning, it was still a hell of an experience. So that's pretty much what Marvel did right. Um, and in a sense, when you look at Marvel movies, you can be forgiven for some of the more fantastic elements where things get blown up and uh, you know for example in avengers um age of ultron you could be forgiven for the amount of destruction being caused because the heroes are trying to save the day mm. and yet they confronted this fact didn't they yeah in 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 the next in, avengers in civil movie, war movie, yeah civil war which was absolutely crazy so dc comes along and tries their hand at the dc universe they try Man of Steel. Mm. It, it was all right. Yeah, it was yeah. Okay. But then they make their big mistake. Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice. This was the first time in cinematic history that Batman and Superman have ever been on screen together. Yeah, on the same on the same screen. And it had some big names. Ben Affleck, Henry uh, as Batman. A lot of people were like, "What? Are you, are you, are you absolutely sure? Really?" But honestly, I'll say this now, Ben Affleck was a brilliant Batman. Yeah, he does have some very good moments. He he has some incredible moments. When that trailer came out and showed Batman in all his glory, Ben Affleck with the growling computerized microphone, bliss. Yeah. Well, um, I, I honestly think Ben Affleck was robbed of a good movie. Um, Henry Cavill, back as Superman, Amy Adams, Jesse Eisenberg as Lex Luthor, a very uh, questionable decision there. Yeah. Uh, Diane Lane, I do believe she... No, um, Diane Lane, Lawrence Fishburne, Jeremy Irons, Holly Hunter and Gal Gadot. It was the first live-action film to feature Batman and Superman together, as well as the first live-action cinematic portrayal of Wonder Woman as well. And this was the movie that was meant to start off the cross sections of DCEU. Uh, this was it. There was just one problem, though. We ended up getting a Superman who essentially was not the Superman that everyone grew up with. A, a Superman Batman, who breaks the morals of the character, most importantly. Big, big yep. plot point. A Batman who is at the end of his journey, one could argue. Mm. And then we're introduced to Wonder Woman all of a sudden. A full year before her solo movie comes out. Yep. And this is and, and this is the thing that... I, I uh, There's a massive issue, I think, with Zack Snyder as a, a director. Now, visually speaking, Zack Snyder can get his visuals on point. Oh, yeah. Say what you want about Batman v Superman. That is the best-looking Batman costume, written mm-hmm. straight from the comics. Best Superman costume. And Wonder Woman looks amazing. Yep. Doomsday looks pretty good. You know, Zack Snyder was on point with the visuals. 
The issue we had was that goes back to what I originally said. Zack Snyder did not understand why Batman was a hero or Superman was a hero. Mm. And that's the issue. And that's ultimately what dragged the movie down. Mm. We had a Batman who branded people with the bat signal. Um, sorry, with the bat logo. I thought that was an all right touch. I was like, that's a nice little homage yeah. to the Phantom because in the Phantom comics, the Phantom punches someone and leaves an imprint of the skull on the cheek. And then it turns out that if you had a bat symbol on your on your body or elsewhere, you were killed, and that Batman was aware of had to be aware of this. So it was like, oh, okay, that's a bit of an issue because we all know that Batman doesn't kill. Mm. You know. We had a Superman sticking his nose into other people's business where it didn't belong. Oh. I think the only thing that worked was Wonder Woman. Yeah. I mean, Jack, I've, I've been speaking quite a lot, Jack. I, I can yeah. tell you've got a lot to say about this. So, the, the whole idea with bringing in Wonder Woman, I mean, they, they obviously wanted to get the character origin sorted and set the seeds in motion for the um, Patty Jenkins 2017 film uh, that uh, really put, started to get DC back on the path towards a more greener, a more better, we can actually make some competent movies kind of thing. But the way they handle Wonder Woman is they only introduce her in the final climactic battle, and you do not do that. You, you want to give a hero like Wonder Woman a big hell of an introduction in her own solo movie to get audiences acquainted with the character first. And, and sure, I, I, I will admit, they did, a, they did an okay job in Batman v Superman, but watching the solo movie a year later on a big screen, blaring surround sound, I... It felt forgettable. The way they treated some of the characters in Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, were an absolute nightmare. And mm. on top of that, one of the things... I mean, this is a four-year-old film now, so spoilers ahoy. One of the key plot points is Warner wanted to do the Death of Superman plot for many years. And they yeah. even went as far as to release this movie on Good Friday 2016 to really ham up that imagery a little bit more. I, it was one of the rare times I've walked out of a cinema feeling dejected, disappointed, and not just because it was on the warmest day of the year. I've I've walked out of screen six with a look of disappointment on my face. I know some of the some of the employees at the local cinema watch this podcast. They will remember the look of my face when I walked out of that screen. It was horrific. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember when I walked out as well, and it was just like, damn. Damn, I, 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 I was, I, I didn't think it could be any good, but I didn't think it would be that bad. Mm. And you're right, the way they treat the characters is awful. And this is like a thing that DC does, um, that that Marvel does correctly, is that they treat their characters with absolute respect. They, they will say that this is the character this is what they are this is what they stand for these are their motivations this is um you cannot deviate from this because if you deviate from this then it's no longer the correct character and yet with the dc extended universe zack snyder we talked about zack snyder well my batman would not directly kill rubbish but 
he indirectly kills my Superman and had no other choice. It's like, but it's not your Superman. It's not your Batman. It's DC's Batman, DC's Superman. These are the things that we have grown up with. You're not making your version of the story. You're making the comic book version of the story. And that's what DC Universe failed to grasp up until Wonder Woman. When I would say that was actually DC's um, beginning road to redemption. I would agree with you. I would agree with you on that one. Because in the DC extended universe, we had a female character. And this is one of the few things that DC can claim that they did better than Marvel is that they made a better female character than Captain Marvel. I loved the Wonder Woman character in Wonder Woman. I loved her because she was strong. We got to see her doubts. We got to see her overcoming her doubts. And it just turns out that she's a woman. Hmm. Whereas in the Captain Marvel movie, she starts off okay. There's there's some really funny scenes uh, with Carol Danvers, but then she just turns into a cardboard cutout. I am woman. Hear me roar. Yeah. Where my her, her gender was put on the forefront, and it's like no, 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 no. no. That's not how. It, 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 uh, no, <laughs> no. Uh, you know, if if you want to make a strong female character, you make a per, you make a character who has all the um, amazing qualities of a hero. That just happens to be a, a, a female yeah. as well. It works. I don't know. Um, but I mean, hey, if anyone disagrees with me, feel free to let me know and you know put your thoughts in. And um, yeah, <laughs> I mean this is probably one of the reasons why they've made a big deal out of the fact because of course we got the news through on Friday that uh, Wonder Woman eighty four has been pushed again to October second. No surprise there. So it will be one of the first movies back for cinemas if July is not happening. And then, of course, we had um, the Justice League in 2017, which was a complete flop because, again, it introduced characters such as the Flash, uh, Aquaman, Cyborg, characters that we hadn't seen, we didn't know about. It was like, imagine if they had created the Avengers first in the DC, uh, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, sorry, if, if, if they had created, if Marvel had made the Avengers after Iron Man, yeah. that's how bad it, it was. So that was a bit of a flop. And then it seemed that they decided to take a different turn and they created Aquaman, which was all right. Yeah, it was a pretty Shazam, good film. Yeah. Shazam which was blooming brilliant. Oh, yeah, I love Shazam. Ray, which was, it was all right. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't special, but it was something, you know. And the thing is, again, with Aquaman, we get to see the origins. We get to see why Arthur is a hero, what makes him a hero. And we got to see some amazing action sequences as well, which certainly helped. And then you have Shazam. Shazam. Oh, my God. Overcompensation in fantasy, the movie. Yes. Yes. You could could argue that it literally took Dwayne Johnson coming on board as an executive producer to turn DC's fortunes around because the rock exec produced it. No way. Yeah, because it's the the setup for Black Adam. Mm. Oh, yeah, because he's playing Black Adam, isn't he? Yep. Yeah, but again, like Shazam, overcompensation in fantasy, the movie where a young child becomes a superhero through, you know, uh, through the power of Shazam, the magician. 
and again we get to see the origins of this hero why he's a hero. we get to learn how he learns to be a hero it's and that's why shazam is easily the best dc uh, cinematic universe movie out there yes like no doubt about it absolutely so i guess the question then because we're looking at i'm looking at the future films yeah, but I've got, got Wonder Woman 1984. Obviously, um, it's been pushed back. The Suicide Squad, which James, James Gunn. Gunn, yes. Yep. The Batman, Matt Reeves Black- and uh, and Robert yep, Pattinson. I'm that yes. one. Black Adam. Mm-hmm. The Flash, which has been delayed so many times now, I'm, I'm beginning to think, is it really going to ever come out? Yeah, because um, I know there's a whole controversy about some of the cast members not wanting to come back. This is going to be something that we will keep uh, developments very closely on. And again, we've got Shazam 2 for twenty and uh, November 4th, 2022, and then Aquaman 2 in December of 2022 as well. Quite a big set of pre-production in terms of in-development and pre-production. Obviously, whether the Batman gets delayed, because they were filming just as lockdowns kicked in, so I think that's going to get pushed a little bit more as well. But what does the future hold for DC? Well, the future, I mean, first off, it all depends whether the DC have learned their lessons and they take in the successes of Shazam and the create heroes that we learn to learn why they became a hero. We understand their motivations and, their, and that we... Um, you know, we but essentially, again, it comes into overcompensation in fantasy. If we had those heroes' powers, would we be doing something similar? Mm. You know, if we had Shazam's powers, would we be going about saving the world if we wanted to? Yeah, probably, because we could. Yeah. You know, if we had Bruce Wayne's millions, would we be dressing up in a superhero costume saving the world? Oh, probably. yeah. Probably. I know I would. You know, I'm looking forward to the Batman, to be honest, with Matt oh, Reeves. Yeah, it's going to be good. It's it going to be good. Reeves, I say. It's going to be, I, I hope it is. I am looking forward to seeing um, Robert Patterson as Bruce Wayne. I would never have called that. that Nobody was... did. Nobody did. I remember back in the day when I presented a radio show, uh, mm. breaking the news uh, on air that Robert Patterson had been cast. And there was a lot of, sort of in the studios, like, what? Really? Is that, yeah. I mean, but then again, Pattinson's really moved on from Twilight in recent years. Did some pretty good independent movies. I think this could be the film that really cements him as an actor who can do much better than appearing in some poxy teen franchise. Well, we hated Twilight. Oh, he, you could tell. You could tell. Twilight. He only went on there because he liked. Um, he had a crush on what's her face. Oh, Kristen uh, Stewart. He, yeah, Kristen Stewart. Crazy, right? I know. But, um, yeah, it, the whole Batman movie is going to be the movie, I think, which will tell not the Suicide Squad, because that's based on, exa- you know, we, we've already seen Suicide Squad. I don't think people will care too much about that. It is going to be the Batman. That is going to be the movie. Yeah. That will tell us if DC has learned their lessons or not. And I'm just trying to find out who else is working on it from a technical front. Uh, because Matt Reeves, best known for directing uh, yeah. the last couple of Planet of the Apes films, which I thought were really good. Uh, oh, yeah, a lot of his... Yeah, it's basically the entire team who made War for Planet of the Apes working on this film, so... Yep. And you've got an ensemble cast as well. Uh, Robert Pattinson, like I said, uh, with uh, Zoe Kravitz, Paul Dano, Jeffrey Wright, John Turturro, uh, Tur- Peter Sarsgaard, Jamie, uh, Jamie Lawson... Andy Serkis and Colin Farrell rounding out this amazing 
ensemble cast as well. Um, but saying that, I know a lot of people were like, well, yeah, Ben Affleck, we want to see a good Batman movie. There have been rumours that the DC are trying to get uh, Ben Affleck to do something with the Batman character. Yeah. I hope they do. I, I think... I honestly think one thing I would love to see is something similar to the James Bond franchise, but more fragmented with their superheroes, Legends of DC, yeah. where the director brings in like a character and does a story involving them. Yeah, that, that could work really well for him. I think that's a really great idea. And I think the reason I think that's a really great idea is because there's so much you can do with these characters that as long as you still follow the staples, you can create a um, dark brooding Batman uh, similar to, uh, in a realistic sort of setting similar to Christopher Nolan or a fantastical setting similar to the DCEU. You, you, could, you could make it work. I would love to see that. You know, mm. I would love to see uh, a barbarian-esque Aquaman or, or um, I don't know. I, I would like. Uh, it's, it's, it's so many possibilities. I think that would really work. Yeah, it would make a nice little HBO Max exclusive here and there because I know they're trying to do something similar for the animated side of things with Marvel. We've got What If series for, for Disney Plus, which uh, that brings us into the future of the MCU. And I, I shall take this one because I have the list of the phase four films. Because, uh, of course, we've got Black Widow in November, Eternals in February, Shang-Chi and Legend of Ten Rings in May. November 5th, 2021, we've got Spider-Man 3, as yet unknown title. Fall of and Thunder, February 2022, and then Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness in March 25th, 2022. They're building the future of the MCU around the TV shows because they're saying WandaVision's going to be like a really big push for Phase 4 because it's going to lead directly into the next Doctor Strange. And again, there have been some conflicts there because Scott Derrickson out, Sam Raimi in on the direction front. It's going to be a very different Phase 4. A big risk. Raise the interesting question. Are we getting too many superheroes? Yeah, that's. I, I discussed this with a very good friend of mine, Gemma Nessel, roughly this time last year. Are we getting superhero fatigue? Yeah. Because as much as these superheroes are, are 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 amazing, and these films are really good, oh, is it getting to the point though where we're looking at it and going, okay, it's all great, but we want something new, mm. and that's going to have to be something very interesting with Marvel. I think Marvel are really going to have to step up the game with phase four and they're going to have to show this is the reason why you need to continue with us mm. this is the reason why you need to stay on board shang chi and the legend of the ten rings you know why should we care about a new character yeah i mean they've, they've also am... they've, got, they've, they've got two more uh not they've, they've not explicitly said their phase four yet we do also have black panther 2 and captain marvel 2 confirmed for 2022 as well but they've not confirmed anything in terms of phases beyond doctor strange yep and of course the big news in shang chi and the legend of the ten rings is of course um it is the first appearance of the mandarin the proper yes. mandarin which replaces the comic book's father uh shang chi's father fu manchu which was a problematic character associated mm. with racist stereotypes so um marvel have decided actually do you know what we're not going to do that we are actually going to bring in um the proper mandarin because what happened in iron man 3 was it with the mandarin oh i can't yeah yeah, yeah terrible what best left unsaid. Best left unsaid. 
yeah yeah uh, absolutely terrible but yeah definitely dc have done it right the dc um in in terms of so marvel have done it right i'm gonna keep i told you i'll keep marvel have got it right in terms of what they've done dc are starting to slowly catch up and it all now really hinges on what matt reeves can do with batman it really does for the DC side. It's up to Matt Reeves for Marvel. It's going to be possibly. Um, I, I I don't know about the Eternals because you know who, who knows. But I reckon it'll be Shang Chi in the in, in the universe uh, and the Ten Rings, which will be. It will tell us basically whether or not we are ready for more Marvel or whether we should just put that to bed. And, and an important point tonight, and I completely forgot and neglected to mention this. Of course. Marvel Studios now have the X-Men to play with after the Disney Fox deal. Mm, They also have um, the Eternals coming out as well, which looks interesting enough. Mm. Um, But yeah, (laughs) I I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, it's it's, it's going to be... The next couple of years for superhero movies is going to be quite interesting. Obviously, we've had the emotional highs of something like Endgame, People, I mean, we all joked we need a year off from superhero movies. We seem to be getting that the way the world is right now. Yeah. Yeah, funny how things work out. I know. But things are starting to pick up um, in terms of non-essential shops will be opening here in the UK. So hopefully that includes um, hairdressers. Uh, hairdressers July 4th have been reliably involved. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, because here in the UK, I mean, we're all hinging on a July 4th reopening of the cinemas. That's a big one as film critics are worried about. We've got to get back on a big screen. And the irony mm. is that the man who created the, the more dark, brooding take of the superhero movie happens to be the first man to be releasing a Hollywood tentpole after all of this. With Tenet. Yep. I am looking forward to that. Oh, it's... It looks... I don't know what it looks like, but uh, that's the best bit about Christopher Nolan is you don't know what you're getting. Exactly. You can only imagine how audiences back in 2008 must have felt when the first trailers for Dark Knight came out and you see everything unfold. It was like the best way to not only release but to market a superhero movie as well. Warner got that entire campaign so right. And as, as, yeah. we, as we said a few weeks back for our long-time listeners, without a movie like The Crow, we wouldn't have had something like The Dark Knight ever get produced. Yep, yeah, absolutely uh, correct. Without Because I think the world needed sort of like a more darker take on, 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 on the superhero. Um, I, th- I think it needed that more sort of rugged, grounded, mm. um, you know, recognisable, realistic elements. Mm. but not realistic enough that it did it distracted from the fantastical but yeah oh yeah anyway that's pretty much all i've got to say on the whole thing cut wrap print sent to the editors yeah that is pretty much bang <laughs> on time so it's coming up for five to four here in, in the uk what are we talking about next week mr carver because uh i love i love being able to reveal what we're, t- we're doing at the end of each podcast i'll be honest with you i've got not a clue i don't i don't I, I can't think of many good topics either. I think because we've been that we've got we've been that dry on film news lately, with everything being shut down and all the major films are coming back into production now. We will we will think of something and we will heavily publicise it on the social media feeds. That's of course yep. Facebook.com forward slash Grip Ticket Show, Twitter.com 
uh, forward slash ripped underscore ticket. We will keep you informed as we decide on a topic for next week. I've got, like I said, I've got absolutely got no idea what we'll talk about next week. We'll figure it out. Oh, we will. We will figure it out. We'll, we'll figure out something. It all really depends now on whether we get any good movie news or if, yeah. if anything comes up. It's like, oh, that'll make a good rip ticket. Yeah. We'll see. Well, we shall see. But in that case, we shall we shall wrap it, send it off to the editors, and this will make its way onto the podcast providers at six o'clock if I can get my editing software working. Time. So until next Sunday at three o'clock, my name's been Jack Smith. I've been Dan Carver. This has been a rip ticket review, and until then, we'll see you at the movies. Take it easy, everyone. Bye. And if you have any ideas for potential rip ticket topics, don't be afraid to get in touch with us on the social channels. We'll be back next Sunday from 3 o'clock on Facebook. See you next week, everyone.